What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka Your Rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. Before we start, I want to wish a happy Pride Month to all who celebrate. I love you. I love your love. I support you. And I hope you're getting rich this month and every month. I thought, since we're celebrating Pride Month, today would be a perfect day to have a guest from the LGBTQ community. And lucky for you, he's also an expert in an arena that you've all been asking. No, no, no. Begging for me to cover. It's a hotly debated topic, credit cards. And I know someone's listening right now and immediately saying, credit cards are evil. But before we start, no, they're not. That's a myth. Credit cards are all about education. And unfortunately for us, they don't teach us this stuff in school. But we're going to cover the good, the bad, and the ugly on credit cards plus a little bonus round about surrogacy in honor of Pride Month. There is nobody better to help guide us than the king of credit cards, our favorite new dad, the jet setter. Everyone, please welcome Brian Kelly, a.k.a. The Points Guy. Hey. Actually, I think today I'm going to be called The Points Gay. You Yay! are allowed to call me The, the Points, Points Gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Brian and I are besties, and for everyone listening, I have an extra soft spot for Brian because he and I actually share a really fun fact and a little bit of a trauma bond. Brian, do you know what I'm about to say? I think it goes back to a former job. Oh, it does. Okay. So for everyone who doesn't know, Brian Kelly used to be a Wall Street girly. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's You know a what's pretty... funny? Now it's Pride Month. So I was a tech recruiter at Morgan Stanley and I got involved in the LGBTQ group at Morgan mm-hmm. Stanley, which was actually really robust because John Mack, who was CEO when I was there, 07 to 11, his son was gay. So John Mack was one of the real like trailblazers on Wall Street to say, no, we need to welcome gays. You know, the gays are smart. We need them in banking. <laughs> they got connections. They are smart. So I then took on in our, in our gay LGBT group, um, LGBTQ recruiting, um, which was like a side job for me, but it gave me huge exposure to senior management. And I remember once during my employment at Morgan Stanley, I was in HR and there was an HR girly who was coming for me. When I started the Points Guy as a side business, it started to grow. And I had this hater who worked Ah. in HR. I won't say her name, (laughs) Um, but she literally reported me to HR. She's like, Brian just does his blog all day. Which, to be fair, I did. You know, when the blog started, wench to the max. Anyway, being a part of the LGBTQ group, and I had all these powerful allies, Mm -hmm. like the head of diversity. And so I ran to them and was like, this girl's coming for me. And they're like, we got your back. (laughs) So my message to anyone listening, if you're at a company with an LGBT group, even if you're not gay, join it because the networking is amazing. And I'm still friends with so many of those people to this day. And um, yeah, that's just one of the other reasons why I'm the points gay today. Well, I absolutely love that it's it feels like, you know, as soon as you know someone yourself who is a part of the LGBTQ community, it's so just like destigmatized because you're like, oh, wait, like this is just like a cool person that I love, that I know, and there's just nothing yeah, different. And, and truly, it's, it's crazy that it's 2023 and there's still so many people afraid to come out. Even in mm-hmm. New York City, it shocks me how many people, especially in banking and yeah. finance, because... There's this notion, and it's more than a notion. It's based in reality a lot. There's oh, some certainly. bro teams and people who have worked so hard to break into that top-tier firm where they – and I hear it all the time. Well, you know, being gay isn't who I am, so I'll just keep it to the side. But I'm like, but everyone bring, – to bring your full self to work. You know, we're humans. We want to know our coworkers. We want to know the celebrities we follow. We, You know, there's a human aspect to life, and you can't really – if you're holding your true identity back – it's just not worth it. So my my push to everyone this Pride Month is be who you are unapologetically, whether that's with your family and having those tough conversations. But there, there's no one I've ever met that's come out and has regretted it. You know, so if mm-hmm. you're if you're afraid to be who you are at work, and there are you know in a lot of states still you can get fired for totally. being gay. However, living your truth, uh, it's important. And that's why I think being visible, being an out gay CEO has been an honor. Okay, even yeah. Th- yeah. Talk your talk. Yeah. <laughs> even though I'm technically not CEO anymore. I'm like, I'm CEO emeritus of the points guy. Yeah. We'll get into that on my career path and the day that I realized I actually hate managing people. I burn out from people <laughs> management. So now I like to be managed instead. Love that. And, okay, so before we get into the future, 
we got to roll the tape back and talk a little bit about your past. Before Morgan Stanley, before the points guy, tell me about how you grew up. Where'd you go to school? What what did you do for fun? So I'm one of four kids and my dad was in healthcare. He was uh, like pharmaceutical sales and in the management, healthcare, hospital, network management. I never quite knew what he did, but he was my idol. And my dad is also Brian Kelly. Oh. And he's the third son of three boys and a girl. I'm the third son of three boys and a girl. So the Brian Kelly's, like, I just idolized Wait, him. was your grandpa's name Brian Kelly too? No. Oh. No, Patrick. So um, you're BK2. But technically, I have a different middle name, so I'm not oh, a junior. Okay. But I call my dad the original points guy because he ended up getting, like, 1995. Mm -hmm. And so I'm about to turn 40. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, I will be 40. I turn 40. Oh, my gosh. So I grew up. You know, born in 1983, I was that kid in 1991 who had like an IBM computer. I taught myself MS-DOS. Like I was just like a techie. Nerd. You know, I had Prodigy Internet uh, where you actually used to have to install the modem into your computer, hook a phone line in, like for so many of the You're saying the young so many girlies, words that I don't yeah, even know. For the young girlies <laughs> listening back in the Stone Ages, uh, we actually used to have, you would have to dial up to internet. It would screech and you, it was so hard to like connect to the internet. Anyway, I'm a dinosaur. And my dad got a job at a startup in 1995, so he was working from home. And my first job was to book his travel, and he didn't have an assistant. So I'm 12 years old, and booking him, Travelocity had just launched. Mm -hmm. So I started booking all of his travel. That was my first paid job. He would pay me $10 per flight to book. Meanwhile, it took five minutes. Right. <laughs> but he thought it was like calling the airline and so complicated. So all of a sudden, he had all these frequent flyer miles. Mm. And he came to me and said, if you can figure out how to use these miles, our family can go on vacation. So that's how you got into points and rewards. It is in 1995. So when I was 12 years old, my parents let me plan our family trip. So they were thinking, you know, we're going to go to Orlando. And funny, you know, being the closeted diva that I was, I had just read the book John, uh, The Firm by John Grisham, and it was set in the Cayman Islands, a, a large portion oh, yeah. of it. High flying, like finance and the Caymans. And I was just sexy. Like, yes, let's go to the <laughs> Caymans. So I picked up the phone and I called U.S. Airways. You know, I grew up outside of Philly. So my dad had a ton of U.S. Airways miles and a bunch of American miles. Those were his two airlines. And um, lo and behold, I, they, U.S. Airways had a nonstop flight to Grand Cayman. So I booked four, but only four tickets. So I booked my dad and three siblings on the nonstop. Mm -hmm. And then my mom and I flew on as American miles with this, a little layover in Miami. Wait, 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 wait. How did we decide who was going to have to suffer the layover? Well, the nonstop people, my dad had to be on the nonstop because uh, he had to check into the vacation rental. Gotcha. So I okay. actually used Verbo, uh, vacation rentals by owner was what it was called back then. And we rented a house from this New Jersey doctor in Cayman Islands. I and didn't even realize Verbo like oh, yeah. existed. Literally, I was that then. was like one of the first travel sites I ever used. So we were able to rent this house on the beach in Rum Point. So by the way, if you ever go to the Cayman Islands are beautiful. Most people go to Seven Mile Beach, mm -hmm. Ritz Carlton, the Kimpton Seafire, beautiful island. I recommend if you ever want to rent a house or take a beautiful family trip, Rum Point is on the north side of Grand Cayman and it's stunning beaches. So I rented this small little house, which was cheaper than the price of one hotel. So right, we're mm. six people traveling. My parents, you know, didn't have a lot of money. My parents were very frugal. They put all of us through college. Where would you classify your family in terms of like income growing up? So I always thought we were middle class. We were mm -hmm. probably upper middle class. Like mm -hmm. my dad made a good living, but you know, he probably could have, you know, he drove a Honda Accord and totally. my mom had a Nissan Maxima that, you know, because they were putting away money, they, they paid for all of us to go to public school. But if totally. we wanted to go to private university, they were like, you have to take that on. <laughs> so me and my two brothers, we went to University of Pittsburgh. I graduated with zero debt, which is amazing. And then I ended up getting a job at Lord and Taylor with all NYU kids. And I had been rejected from NYU. And I was like, thank God I got rejected because I would have been six figures in debt. And, and I to was get the same job. The same job. And I actually rose quicker than, and then come to find out later at the points guy, when I start hiring all these NYU grads, I'm like, you work for me now. And no. I couldn't even get into your school. So who's laughing now? No, I try not to, I, I don't have a, I don't have any grudges. Okay. Uh, anyway. Back to the vacation. Vacation. So my dad and three siblings flew because he had to check into the vacation rental. I think there was a part, well, I just wanted to see Miami. So then yeah. it was my mom and I, and she had a friend from like high school, Mike, he used to work for American Airlines. We had like a six hour layover. So he picked us up in his Mustang convertible and we had a 
five-hour layover in Miami, what? so I got to see South Beach. I'm pretty sure we went to Hooters. I remember that as like a 12-year-old. I was like, this is fun. Um, You're like, I this isn't doing it for me. <laughs> I remember so vividly that flight because we were flying over Havana, Cuba on our mm. way from Miami to Grand Cayman. And I had a panic attack on the plane because I'm like, what if I, when we land, my dad's either going to be like, what the heck did you do? This is horrible. The house sucks. Like, yeah. Or he's going to like smile and hug me. And I got, I like hope it's that. But I really was panicking yeah. on the plane. Like, what did I do? And I, we go through immigration. My dad's there with a huge smile on his face. He gives me the biggest bear hug. He goes, Brian, this is so unbelievable. We actually, our little cute house was right on the beach. So for seven days, we didn't leave the house. We would snorkel all day in the crystal blue waters. We cooked dinners because we had a house. It was truly like the real family bonding through travel. So that was like the seed that got planted. And, you know, my dad traveling so much, it was always tough when he missed basketball games. But after that trip, I was like, Dad, you got to get back out on the road. Come on, we need more points. We need more points. Yeah. So and and every year that was our bonding. So we would do Barbados some years. We would go on free vacations as a family, you know, to make up for the time my dad was traveling. And so that's like the points found. That was 1995 and six. And then for me, it took off. So I didn't know that that there were people around the world that were doing this. Right. You know, I'm just living in the Philly suburbs in the 90s. And we forget, you're 12. Yeah. (laughs) I laugh all the time with my parents. We like cackle. We're like, who the hell lets a 12-year-old plan a trip on the internet in 1995? But that's just kind of like, I was always like, even though I was the youngest of the three sons, like I was always the computer admin. I was like the boss of the house. Yeah, totally. Um, My brothers would probably disagree with that. I mean, they kicked my ass, but... Um, so, and when I went to University of Pittsburgh, I became student body president and I studied abroad in Madrid. Oh, she's popular. So, but part of being student body president, I started going to student government conferences all around the country. Okay. So all of a sudden one day. You have points. I have U.S. Airways gold elite status. And I remember being like, it was out of nowhere, but it was because I studied in Madrid and then there was like a $200 fare to Dublin for spring break. So it was Dublin, Madrid, and then all these conferences. And... I had gold status and that was my aha moment. I was getting upgraded left and right. And I remember thinking, I have negative net worth. (laughs) And I'm flying in the front of the plane. And it was, I would fly back and forth from Philly to Pittsburgh. Um, It was like 50 bucks. And I remember the flight, I would just drink like five drinks in the 34 minute flight. (laughs) I would like get off the plane, like someone wheel me off. Um, But that's when I I stumbled upon Flyer Talk. And that was Mm -hmm. in 2003 or four. And that was the aha moment when I realized that there were probably at that time like 100,000 people around the world who were doing this points and miles thing as like a real a real hobby. And I immediately just dug into the community. I, I couldn't read enough forums. You know, every airline and hotel and credit card had its own forum. And I would just read pages. It's like Reddit. And again, you're still, what, 18 to yeah, 21? Yeah, like, 20, like you can, you, 21 maybe, yeah. yeah. So and, you just can legally start drinking and you're like, okay, this is it. And I'm, you know, immediately the frequent flyer community, I'm connecting with people around the world. It was really cool back then. It was this really tight-knit community. And people, if they had expiring free flight coupons, like people just give them away. Like I was like a college kid and what? I want to and kid and, and and people who were like, I guess they just like me, they were giving me free flights. US Airways, when they launched their credit card in like 2006 or seven, it was just, there were so many fun promotions back in the day. Like, you know, Wendy's used to have, you could buy like Frosties and then there would be 500 American airline miles on them. So my dad and I would actually go around. We didn't quite dumpster dive, but like we would, <laughs> you know, if we saw these Frosty cups around, we would collect them. So there were a lot of, you know, the, the movie Punch Drunk Love is about this guy who was a part of Flyer Talk, the pudding guy, where he bought like a million dollars worth of pudding because he got like a billion points. Wow. So, the, so I really became obsessed, yeah, in the early 2000s. And then fast forward, ended up working at Morgan Stanley. I'm traveling a ton. And I had my aha moment there that I could use my corporate Amex and you had to pay $95. But the woman, you know, the woman's like, no one at Morgan Stanley signs up because, you know, I have to pay $100 a year. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm putting the career fair at MIT, Columbia. I had like 10 schools and we were doing big information sessions where I was paying catering Mm -hmm. 30 grand and all of a sudden I'm putting it on my corporate card and earning those Amex points. So that's when I went from, I I literally was a points millionaire. Which by the way, I also had that at my last job. And if you just call and ask nicely, they waive it. You don't even have to pay for it. Of course you would have that tip. You've got to one up me. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a one upper on the line today. (laughs) 
Oh, I was happy to pay the 95. Yeah. And I became, I think at, at our HR Christmas party, they they gave me the uh, like an honorable mention, Brian, because I would do the expenses for everyone. Amazing. They didn't know that I was minting all the points because you, back in those days, you used to have to take a physical receipt, fax it into the Morgan Stanley expense department. It was a real pain. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like, I got time. I'm in my 20s. I'll stay late and just do a bunch of expense reports. But everyone thought I was being altruistic. And then people started to scratch their heads. They're like, why is Brian in the Seychelles for like MLK weekend? You know, <laughs> I would, I flew first class with Madonna. And, you know, people were like, are you on a trust fund or yeah. are you a fraudster? Yeah. I'm like somewhere in between. I love, 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 love that. And so how did that turn into a full-fledged business? Like, the points guy, like it is everywhere now. So the original points guy, so my ex-boyfriend. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, he's, <laughs> I, um, we like him, I think. We like him. He's, he actually pushed me to do it. So basically, so uh, I'm, I get employed at Morgan Stanley August of 07. I think I'm going to become a millionaire working in HR, be a managing director. <laughs> I'm like, this is a clear pathway, you know, because in 06, 07 was a heyday yeah. time where everyone was getting six-figure bonuses, my 20s, you know. Then, of course, the economy the bottom fell right. out and it was all hell broke loose. And being in HR at Morgan Stanley, and I'm six foot seven. So what would happen, even though I was in recruiting, and I, luckily I never lost my job through all the layoffs. I mean, it was dark, dark yeah. times. But every Sunday for like months, because I'm in HR, we would I would have to help with the layoffs called the RIFs. Oh. So every Sunday, we talk about Sunday scaries, I would get the password protected Excel document and be like, Brian, I wouldn't communicate the uh, layoff, but I'd have to be in a suit standing outside the conference room. And my job being the six foot seven guy in HR is I would have to walk. So these lifelong employees would get laid off. They weren't even allowed back to their <gasps> cubicle. And I would have to escort them, not just to the elevator. What about their stuff? Oh, no, we would, uh, we'll send that to you. Don't worry. Oh. And and if they really pushed, we would let them just take personal. But I'd have to be towering over them. It was like soul crushing work. Like I, you were basically like a club bouncer. Yeah, and people would, you know, people, you know, these lifelong employees. I'd and then I'd have to go through the turnstiles, and I would have to wait <sighs> down in the lobby until they were through the turnstile. Then I'd go back up. It was and like do the it Green again. Reaper. I mean, you know, it's it was the times, and you had to do what you had to do. But and then I, you know, one of the moments was I laid off this managing director, like half his team. The next day, I, I laid him off, surprisingly. So it was like this cutthroat moment. In that moment, I was just like, you know, this company, you know, and nothing again. Obviously, companies have to lay off. Yeah, but it certainly. was crystal clear to me. Like, my lifelong happiness, tying it to this corporation was not going to be what, you know, and especially being in HR. So I basically, every year, instead of getting a bonus, they were like, your bonus is not getting laid off. Like, come back oh, again next year. My so God. I'm making like 65K a year in HR as like an associate. I think I came just before VP. But every year, my managing director, the last year, what forced me to start the points guy was she actually gave me a bottle of Absolute. So I didn't get a bonus. And she gave me Absolute. And I'm like, you couldn't have gotten me Grey Goose. Right. You know, like what a slap <laughs> in the face. And so I started the points guy as a side hustle. Of, and it wasn't even a blog. It was a travel booking service where you could pay me 50 bucks. It was a form. So April of 2010, I launch it. I actually registered it with Morgan Stanley's outside business interest, Did you? which is hysterical because that's really for like bankers who have yeah. like financial interests in companies they want to. They're know, like investing in restaurant chains and yeah, like stuff like and that. And then trying to. But meanwhile, here I am. At, oh, I've got a blog and a travel booking business. And Morgan Stanley, they were like approved. OK, sweetheart. Like, yeah, what a like fun enjoy. Little, yeah. But I'm glad I did because later on when that uh, wench from HR came uh. for me, I at least had my bases covered. So uh, the points guy was just a side hustle, 50 bucks per ticket. And I would tell you how to use your points. Genius. So just from my 15 years of institutional knowledge of how all the loyalty programs work, you know, Amex was the real only uh, credit card game at that time. But I knew all the transfer partners, the ins and outs, the secrets. So I was like, I'll just monetize this knowledge in my head and I'll make it was 50 bucks a ticket. First month was 100, 200. I'm making like five, six hundred bucks a month, you know. And cash. at that age, that feels a lot of oh, money. Oh yeah, when I mean, I was living paycheck to paycheck yeah. at sixty-five k or seventy k a year in New York City. Like you're not, <laughs> like you're you're living like below that. And I think yeah. I, I was dumb. I had some credit card debt from college that I was still like paying off. <gasps> okay, which we'll get. We into. need to get to that because. Brian Kelly, the points guy himself, at one point did have credit card debt. So if you oh. have credit card debt, it is not the end of the world. We're going to no, help you get so out of it. No, it's so fixable. You just got to take your head out of the sand. I did every dumb thing. I was in Pittsburgh. I had a Verizon bill that was 300 <laughs> bucks, but I'm moving to New York. I'm like, they'll never find me there. No. You know, like I was moronic when it came to my finances, which is now funny that I'm like, the world's credit card expert. Yeah. But I think actually my dalliances with like idiotic behavior and credit, I think 
have helped me educate others because I know the pitfalls. I actually, when I was at uh, my first job out of college at Lord & Taylor, I was so broke, I actually took a payday loan out because I refused no. to ask my parents for money. I'm like, these people just paid for my college. I was making 45K a year yeah. as an assistant buyer at Lord & Taylor, which I thought in college, I was like, I'm going to be rich. 45,000? Mm -hmm. It sounds like so much. But then, you know, of course, after taxes, I was just not even scraping by. So I took a payday loan out just because my friends would be like, come out to dinner for birthdays. And I would dread that because that time at the end of the dinner when everyone's like, okay, let's just split it evenly. I literally had no money. I would walk, you know, I sound like one of the, I would walk from Soho to 39th and 5th because I would wanted to save the $90, which it was at the time for the monthly subway pass. I would just walk everywhere in the oh city. So I've had my poor times and my bad credit and it's a terrible, it's quicksand. Yeah. Um, so that's why, I mean, getting in the points game is amazing. There's all these rewards, but you've got to play it smartly. You cannot be in debt and accruing debt and come out ahead. So if you are in debt, fret not, but put together a plan to neutralize that debt, get it to 0% APR, pay those balances down because your credit score will immediately go up once your balances are down. You know, your debt to credit ratio and paying on time, those are the two biggest factors of your FICO score. So if you are methodical, you're smart with your money, take every extra dollar and just get those balances paid down. Once you get that, and then you're stable, you know, paying, you're able to pay your bills off in full every month. That's when you can enjoy all the fruits of the points world. Love that. Okay, we'll get back to exactly what to do if you do have credit card debt, but I do want to hear the rest of this story. So you're charging $50 to random yep. people to basically book their travel yep, for them. Just using the knowledge in my head. So it's a perfect side hustle, right? Knowledge I have in my head. I enjoy doing it for me. And to this day, I it's like a crossword puzzle. You know, when someone's like, oh, I want to go to Tahiti and I've got Chase and City and, oh my gosh. and it's a mix and a match and, a, you know, knowing the off-peak awards and how to do. So anyway, then I realized people really wanted to talk to me. It was, I noticed people would be like, can I just get on the phone with you? Because I want to go over my airline status. So this is when I launched what I call my uh, travel phone sex operator phase Love. of my business, where for $100, you could talk to me for 30 <laughs> minutes on the phone. And what I found was most people just wanted to chat and they were like, I'm Hilton and I have this card. Is it? They wanted validation that their point mm -hmm. strategy was good. Mm -hmm. I would sit there at home in my Brooklyn apartment. I'm like doing award searches for other people. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, oh. <laughs> And people loved it. And I had to do nothing. Amazing. So then I started making some money from that. And then um, it was June of 2010 when my friend who uh, was an SEO expert, he said, I'm going to set you up with the WordPress blog. You've got to blog. He's like, your content will be the ultimate source of new referrals. It's like the, the whole flywheel, right? Mm -hmm. Content, people searching. He goes, you know, so I went to his house in Staten Island. I actually, bringing it back to LGBT, his wife was the former head of the LGBT group at Morgan Stanley. She was like my work wife. We would travel. Love, I yeah. Vicky Ruvalo from Staten Island. She is a queen. And her husband was a WordPress expert. So if I had never done the LGBTQ network at Morgan Stanley, I would not be the points guy today. Paying dividends for you. In spades. Um, so I went <laughs> to Staten Island. He set me up with the WordPress blog. And it was June of 2010. He said, don't do any of the shady SEO stuff. Don't pay people for mm. links. He goes, write quality content. Here's, he's like, just do it every single day at the same time. He's like, trust me. You're, and, if, and when you don't have news to report, just write about your old travels. People will love it. I did that. And it, it's, I didn't realize, I knew at the time, like one month in it was 500, like monthly. And I was, you know, deep in Google Analytics. Then it was like a thousand. And I remember like by October, it was like 20,000. And I remember sitting in bed, not wanting to write a blog post because I had all this other, you know, I was working full-time yeah. job. I had my travel agency, my phone sex hotline and blogging. So by the, I mean, I was just like, I, it's this phase of my life was like, tough because it took such a toll on my relationship. I was, good. I was with my ex for four years. We were going to get married, but I was so just dedicated yeah. to the points guy thing. Um, but I remember going to bed thinking, 20,000 people rely on me. I'm like, this is, and I, I love divas and singers. I'm like, this is like a stadium of people, yeah. you know, an arena of my followers. They need me. And then it just like grew. So by that fall, I think there were a couple flight deals where it was like Expedia had a mistake where it's like $30 to go round trip to Vegas. Wow. And normally that deal would live in the flyer talk forum. You had to really find it. What I realized was I knew how to speak all their code. I would see the deals. I'd put them up on my blog and then people would send it to all their friends. So I had this flyer. I was mm. basically the my 15 year or you know, my probably eight years on flyer talk at that point. I was decoding it for the public. So the flyer talkers, and to this day, a lot of people in the community hate me because oh. I took what they 
they safeguarded that information from the public. And I based on, on, you know, unknowingly, I was the translator to the general public. And I get immense satisfaction. You anti-gate kept it. Exactly. And people love me for it. And to this day, when people come up to me in the street, this is what keeps me going. Like I sold the business 10 years ago. Like most founders by now would have moved on to the next thing. I get immense satisfaction. Like when people come up to me in an airline lounge and are like, because of your content, I took my family to visit our relatives in Bali, right? And we hadn't seen them in five years. Like those stories or people in med school who are in long distance relationships are like the only way we did that was through points. And like to me, I get chills even just thinking about all of our readers and those stories. So so all of a sudden I'm like, the site just blew up. And then it was the spring of 2011 when an affiliate marketing company approached me and said, you're talking about all the credit cards. Did you know if you just use our link, we'll pay you? And it was like, $150 $150 per approval. You had just been linking to their website. Oh, yeah. because So they're like, keep doing, don't change a thing. Yeah. Just change the link. Okay. In the first Easy. month, first month I made 5000 Nice. And I'm like, this is almost my like monthly salary at my right. family. And then the second month was the life changer because the New York Times had um, written to me. They had heard about the points guy. At that point, I think I had 100,000 monthly uniques. And um, so Seth Kugel, who still writes for the New York Times Travel. He was a frugal travel columnist at the time. And this actually went into my spam inbox for two months. I was in Madrid visiting a friend, just scrolling through my Gmail spam and New York (laughs) Times media requests. And you're like, oh shit, I missed something. My heart dropped. And I was like, this is... So he goes, for budget travelers, frequent flyer miles are not useful. Prove me wrong. I said, meet me at a bar in New York and I'm going to change your life. We met for three hours. He was dating a girl in Brazil at the time. And I taught him how to use his Delta miles in this really wonky partnership with Goal Airlines. He saved $1,000 that night. And he goes, I wasn't going to see my girlfriend this quarter because, you know, he works at the New York Times as a journalist. He goes, our meeting just allowed me to see my girlfriend. So I leave that meeting and I knew I crushed it. And so April of 2011, the day that changed my life. I'm getting I, chills. I get an email. So it was, I've been really lucky in life too. Yeah. Like I've truly, someone's looking out for me. But the credit card thing starts heating up and I get an email. British Airways is going to have a 100,000 point offer on their British Airways. It's the first ever 100,000 point offer. Everything back in 2011 was 25,000, one free mm-hmm. flight, maybe 30,000 if you're lucky. British Airways, and I had heard rumblings this would happen. I took off work because I'm like, this is major. Because at the time, the British Airways frequent flyer program was stupidly lucrative. And the thing was, you wouldn't use it to fly BA because they had high fees on those tickets. BA is part of One World. So there were all these Mm. hacks where you could fly literally 15 times on American Airlines to Miami. So I created the post, 100,000 BA, and here's how Americans should maximize it. And it was like, and I knew most of my audience was New York professional travelers. I knew how to like translate it exactly. You could go to Easter Island like four times with that one sign up bonus. So the post came live and I'm like, I'm going to make a lot of money today. Yeah. It was like $100 a referral. And then it was like 945. I'm like shaking, so excited. And then this is your Super Bowl. And then my site goes down and I go, what the hell is happening? New York Times posts that morning that the 100,000 point offer, the top travel website everyone needs to know about today. Is the points guy. So the day of this 100000 offer where I've got content out the wazoo, I'm like doing how to go to Hawaii on the BA offer, how to go to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the New York Times, which unbeknownst to me, that link back from the New York Times to this new blog shot me up insanely in SEO back in those days, you know, New York Times. Yeah. So it was the day that changed my life. And I, at the time, you know, it took a week before I could actually see the deposit of like how much money I made. But what I tracked was clicks, clicks to credit card applications. A normal day, I'd have 50, 60, 70, of which like five would convert, right? right? Five hundred dollars, you know, it was, it was yeah. something like that, maybe two to five. And then instead of like 70 clicks, I had 3,900 that day of like applications. Um, Actually, it might have been even been more than that. It was something like yeah. wildly. And you're I backing ended, into that math. You're like, I just made 40 grand. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, I remember exactly where I was in my shower in Williamsburg. And I'm like, I think I made six figures today. Oh, maybe I think it was actually 32,000. It like went viral. All yeah. The clicks. People were emailing me. My family of 10 just signed up for this card. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm thinking to myself, you just made me a thousand dollars. Like what? <laughs> this is a cool business where. My core monetization is people are thanking me for it. Like how odd. And I remember yeah. just being like, this is really, and the more content I wrote. Like your incentives are so, so aligned. Yeah. Everybody so, wins. So I quit my job the next day at Morgan Stanley <laughs> in April. So I started in June of 2010. Did HR Wench have any words for you? Um, I think before I left, she was like, can you help me plan a trip to Paris? I'm like, Ugh. no. Um, 
I'm not I'm not a bitter person at all. I've I've let this go in therapy. But um, I ended up staying on. So June of 2010, I started. I quit in April, so it was less than a year. Um, and then it just continued to blow up from there. I mean, the I just leaned into points. I leaned into the fact that in the media there were no credible experts at the time. Everyone was like, "Frequent flyer programs are hard. There's blackout days. You can't use them." And I'm like, "These people are morons." And these are the only people <laughs> in like travel media, like just taking the easy way out. You're like, it was, I did this when I was 12. Yeah. And the media loved it. And I realized the more media I did, the more linkbacks, the more SEO. And it just was this, you know, it's just been continuing. It's like a hamster to, wheel. Yeah. You just run on it. And I think that's real. what I love so much about TPG is also, you know, there are certainly other places that talk about travel and how you can get the first class Emirates, you know, suite, whatever. And TPG does that too. But you guys make it so easy for regular people to be like, ah, this is what the economy class offering looks like. And you can take this flight instead of, you know, taking two flights in the first class offering. Yep. To your point, like you can take that 15 round trips back and forth and that makes it so accessible no matter what your price point for travel yeah, is. Yeah, it, it makes me mad when people are like, oh, you're just about first class. You're like single, like rich white guy just doing Emirates first. And Emirates first, when I fly it and it's you're in the shower, you know, yeah, it's your cool. dom, caviar, that's what sticks in people's mind. But on the points guy, most of our staff flies economy. We review economy, premium economy. We're on like, so we actually cover everything. But it's like what sticks out in people's yeah, mind is the wow. And I'm a brand person. And if my, your brand has to be some aspirational, right? People love that. Even if they don't want to, you know, if they want to take their family to Orlando, that's great. But people really like the wow content. So it's always a balance. But, I mean, I'm proud of the fact that we actually have more women than men that work at the Point Sky. We've got a lot of uh, Can confirm. I went to the office. There was literally, like, so many women. I was, like, so impressed. Um, and I still think we we have a our rollout. It's still – points are really complex. You know, we rolled out mm-hmm. an app that tracks your points. Gives Which you your I actually talked points. about. I love – um, and there are tools. I mean, the issue is everyone wants the one tool where you can just say, I've got 30 balances. I want to go from New York to Buenos Aires. Like, tell me every option. And there are some websites out there um, that are doing a decent job. Point.me is one mm-hmm. that uh, I actually like. It's a pretty good tool. Expert Flyer we actually bought is another tool that will actually set alerts if there's a ward or upgrade inventory. The issue is the airlines do not have one single uh source of information for award tickets Mm. like they do when you buy a ticket. You can go to Google Flights or Expedia and immediately compare and contrast paid tickets. But on loyalty, every airline has a different loyalty platform. So you've got hundreds of different APIs to connect into. Not all of them want to share that. So it is my life's mission to make tools that make it easier because it still does require some institutional knowledge to really navigate it. It's a challenge, but I think we'll get there. And I think, you know, we're, we're handling it with content and, um, you know, the tools thing. I do think, you know, with AI, you know, the, the, this new era of using automation, you know, we could create some amazing travel tools for that. So, yeah, I, there's still plenty to do. I think that is such an incredible goal. I obviously cannot wait for this because I'm so lazy and I just want to be able to be like, ah, Expedia, like yeah. Expedia for points and then yeah. like look into it and find something. And that's so nice. I mean, my fiance and I, we flew uh, in Emirates Business because they didn't have first. We looked um, to Milan when we went to Italy for, you know, our, I didn't know, but our engagement trip. And so I totally love points that made it feel a lot more yeah. affordable. And I'm just going to start giving tips because I feel like that's what people want. Yeah, do it. So if you're going to fly Emirates, Emirates is a transfer partner of Amex, Chase City, Built. The real trick to getting Emirates cheaper is by transferring to Aeroplan. So Aeroplan is Air Canada's loyalty program. It's also a transfer partner of Chase, Amex, Built, City. Um, But the fees and the amount of miles needed for Emirates business is way lower when you transfer it to Aeroplan versus going to Emirates' own program. So that's like one of the weird things about loyalty programs that don't make sense. Sometimes the airlines incentivize you to book with one of their partners to actually get a cheaper value. That's a little nugget. Anyone listening, if you've got credit card points, learn the Aeroplan program. It's got so many sweet spots. They've got 50 different partners Etihad, it's like half the price to book Etihad and Singapore Airlines via Aeroplan than it is through those airlines themselves. Don't ask me why, just book. 
I had never even heard of Aeroplan. So this is a very, very piping hot tip. And obviously, you know, our conversation, like it's very clear that you and I are both a big fan of using credit cards responsibly. But fun fact, actually very unfun fact, a recent survey found that 30% of Americans have between $1,000 and $5,000 in credit card debt. 15% have somewhere between $5,000 and $10,000, and 6% actually have more than $10,000 in credit card debt. So you mentioned like you had it, had credit card Mm -hmm. debt at one point. Like, what do you think the process if I woke up tomorrow and I had $15,000 of credit card debt, what would be the smartest way to go about paying it down? The first thing is just neutralizing the APR. Because the APR, based on how much principal you're paying every month, you're you're treading water, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe even going under, because if you're just doing minimum payments, we all know that that's a path to nowhere. So the goal would be to do a balance transfer. And there used to be credit cards out there that would waive the, normally it's like 3% of the balance to transfer it. But a lot of credit cards will still offer, even paying that 3% once to get 18 months of 0% APR, Mm -hmm. focus on that and just be maniacal. Cut your budget. I mean, there's only a certain number of levers. Either increase your income, uh, do side hustles, um, get extra cash and cut expenses and just pay that balance off and just be maniacal about it. One of the things I did in college when I had credit card debt, I actually took out a student loan, which was a lower interest rate than the credit. My parents actually, when I told my parents I had credit card debt, they're like, you're stupid and we're not bailing you out and we'll co-sign for a student loan. That was another reason why I was so broke when I moved to New York because I had, you know, a student loan to pay off as well that I didn't need to have because I was really bad with credit. (laughs) I actually, the reason why I had credit in college and then I paid it off with the student loan and then I couldn't help myself and got into credit card debt again. And my parents were like, you are so dumb. (laughs) But yeah, paying paying it off, just putting a plan, making tough cuts, tough decisions and neutralizing it. But once you get debt free, that's when you put everything on a credit card that, you know, you're not going to spend outside of your means and then just pay it off every month. So you're earning the valuable points each and every month on everything we spend on. And now, even with rent, you know, I'm an investor, but built is incredible. You can pay your rent for free, no fees. This is what I love to get across to people. Most rent platforms will charge you a Mm -hmm. fee. When you pay on built, they will direct deposit or even send a check to your landlord. You earn points. There's no annual fee on the card and there's no fee on the transaction. So for so many young people, rent is your biggest thing, you know, your biggest expense. So you can earn points. And what I like about Built is you actually, it pulls it from your bank account, your rent. So you can't go into debt by paying rent. Like you have to have the, yeah. like, just like you're paying a check. So it helps build your credit. But yeah, you know, put all of your groceries on credit cards that give bonus categories. So the Amex Gold is four points per dollar on groceries and dining. So think about how much you spend on Seamless and all that, you know, so all of a sudden you start putting all of your expenses on categories that give you bonuses. You know, Chase Sapphire Reserve's a top card that's triple points on travel, but travel includes subway, parking, tolls, Mm -hmm. every airline, um, a ton of different, you know, so look into the categories. Your goal when when you're listening right now and your wheels are turning is to get more than one point for every single dollar you spend in your life. And even if you have a Sapphire Reserve, it's triple points on travel and dining, but one point on everything else. So here's the tip. Use the reserve for travel and dining, then use other cards. There are cards that will give you two points on everything, Mm -hmm. uh, like the Capital One Venture card. So you use the Capital One Venture for all those purchases. You're not earning the 3X. So you're just basically looking at everything you're spending on and trying to match it up to a credit card that has a bonus for that category. And then plus, when you get a new credit card, you're usually getting 60 to 100,000 points per card. And you get into this, uh, you know, those signup bonuses are only once per card usually every four years, but there's probably 30 amazing credit cards in the U.S. right now that you could get. Do not go out and get a ton all at once. <laughs> Don't put up more than you can chew because you have to usually have to spend quite a bit to get the bonus. But people in this points world, we've all grown accustomed to you get a couple new credit cards a year with the big bonus. You're maximizing perks. You're maximizing bonuses. And that's how this is sustainable. Wow. I, Brian, can you tell us how many credit cards you've had in your entire life? That's a good question. So I know I have 26 credit cards right now and my credit is near perfect. I'm yeah. maniacal. I actually have, you know, a full-time employee that I use to uh, make sure that I've never missed a bill. So always set auto pay no matter what. Um, and throughout my life, I've probably had 60 credit cards. I would say this every year you should look at your credit cards in your wallet 
if you if you have a credit card that has an annual fee and you're not using or getting perks from it, do an assessment. Like, are the points and perks more than the annual fee? Mm-hmm. And if you've had a card for a long time that you're not using, don't cancel it. Downgrade it to a no annual fee version. Most banks will let you um, downgrade it. So, for example, you know, you say you don't want your Chase Sapphire Reserve. You downgrade that to a Freedom Unlimited card, which is no annual fee and has tons of perks on it. So in rare cases, when they don't let you do that, it's okay to cancel cancel a credit card. You know, the average age of your accounts is 15% of your overall credit score. So if you've got a couple credit cards that you've had for a long time, you want to cancel one of them, it's negligible. But you don't want to go out canceling a ton of credit cards because your debt to available credit ratio, that's the biggest factor of your score. If all of a sudden you've got 50,000 in credit and then you cancel most of it, you're then decreasing your ratio and we don't have time your to get Your utilization into it. basically goes, Correct, it because your utilization, even if you pay your bills on time every month, the credit reporting agencies will report your balances randomly. Mm-hmm. So this is why it actually makes sense. Like if you're gonna about to apply for a mortgage, if you need your credit score to be as high as possible, pay your bills off literally every week. Because when they randomly report your balance, uh, your balance will be low. And your, your score will shoot up when you have, if you're zero and, and you've got a, you know, if, you, if you're not using any of your credit, your score goes up. So paying on time and keeping that debt to credit ratio low is the, the two easiest ways to improve your credit score. Amazing. And let's pivot really quick. Let's get political. Uh, you recently invited me to a dinner, which I heard got rescheduled, so I definitely am free still. And I was really excited because you were bringing together a bunch of thought leaders to learn a little bit more about how Washington is essentially coming after our credit card points. Can you explain to me what's going on? You know, as if there aren't enough problems in our country. Right. For some reason, there's you know a bipartisan coalition of... Actually, no, I... For not some reason. I know exactly why. (laughs) So basically, credit cards and points are really lucrative in the U.S. because every time we use it, that merchant is paying like 2 to 3% to the credit card company Mm -hmm. for the joy of processing your transaction. The points come back to us through the form of bonuses and category spend. So those of us who know how to play the game, we earn a lot. And the cost of, you know, credit cards is built into most products. You know, once in a while, you'll go to a restaurant that gives you a discount for using cash. Totally. I believe in credit cards. It's amazing because if you buy something, your credit card will cover fraud protection. Mm -hmm. You know, most credit cards now, the good credit cards have purchase protection. Like Mm -hmm. you lose a pair of sunglasses. This is another tip for anyone listening. If you ever lose a pair of sunglasses, you can buy, you know, within 90 days on most credit cards, you have purchase protection. If that gets stolen, lost, Anything. Always file a claim with your credit card company. Uh, some it will even go back six months. And it never hurts to ask. You know, American Express, I have to call out, is being amazing when it comes to purchase protection. I had a Montclair jacket that I lost in Iceland. We were filming vlogs a couple years ago. $2,200 jacket. Mm-hmm. And we went back to the site I was filming because I thought my crew picked it up and it was gone. And I called up Amex and they immediately took the $2,200 off my account. So... You know, when when you look at credit cards, a lot of people say, oh, the platinum, all these cards with, you know, annual fees. I just want to, they're too much for me. The perks that you get, the protection. Another thing is when your flight's delayed, a lot of these credit cards have built in travel delay and cover, you know, cancellation coverage. The airlines in the U.S., there are no laws that make them reimburse you when they screw you over. And in Europe, there are. So if you're traveling within Europe and your flight's delayed or canceled, Always look up EU 261 compensation. The airlines owe you euros for most cases. Uh, so anyway, credit cards also, you know, if you use a Chase Sapphire, your flight's late six hours, you get $500 per ticket to get a hotel, to go out to the restaurant, to even get supplies, you know, baby supplies. So you can mm-hmm. get reimbursed for reasonable expenses. Or if your flight's canceled and you can't get to your hotel rental or cruise and you have all these extra fees, the airlines will almost never reimburse you for that, but your credit card company will. So back to the legislation, uh, they are trying to uh, allow retailers to bypass the credit card networks that they've built. In essence, this is the retail lobby saying, we don't wanna keep paying Amex and Visa Mm. and MasterCard these fees. We wanna just cut out all these networks that provide value to their customers and we don't wanna give people points. And they're saying that this is gonna help inflation because the retailers will be really, really nice to everyone and pass along all those savings to consumers. Yeah, Trickle down doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work because they did the same thing 10 years ago. Um, Dodd-Frank and Senator Dodd is 
one of the senators now trying to push this, they killed debit card rewards. You used to be able to earn points and miles on debit cards, but they did the same thing. We're going to uncap, you know, the interchange fee on debit transactions. So overnight, debit card rewards were destroyed. You couldn't, no, and yeah. which really hit people with low credit. You used to be able to earn miles and points on debit cards, but legislation axed those rewards. And do you think any of those savings went to consumers? It went directly to the retailers. It padded their budgets, you know, and it just increased their margins. So they're trying to kill all credit card rewards in the U.S. basically. And surprisingly, there is some bipartisan support behind this. But I think my take is like Congress needs to solve the actual problems in our country. Right. And like the real concerning ones, not like so I think it's, our credit card points. Uh, you know, so if you if you have time, you should let your uh, lawmakers know that um, just get your hands off of our rewards. <laughs> That's right. Keep them away. There's things that they need to be solving that yeah. do not involve me taking Come on, free points flights. are bipartisan. It's one of the few things in this country that's that why everyone likes. Everyone likes points. You know, you travel the world. We become better people. Who doesn't like a free flight? Right? Perfect. Well, let's get into our last segment because I know we're running a little bit out of time. Um, but your personal life. You just became a dad. And I am obsessed with you taking baby Dean all over the world with you. The last time we hung out, we had a little bit of a deep like heart to heart and we talked about your process of becoming a single gay dad. And for the folks listening who may be considering surrogacy or becoming a parent, would you mind sharing that story with Absolutely. us? Absolutely. So I've always known I was supposed to be a dad. Like it's just that was the hardest part when I came out at 22 was at that time I didn't see any other gay parents mm -hmm. really and I thought you know, you know, this is my trade off. I'll be gay and be who I am, but I'll never have kids. And luckily that, you know, so much has changed in science, you know, with IVF. So I think the pandemic hit and I'm grounded at home. And I think that was also the time when I realized like running a company, building it and managing 100 plus people. It's just not for me. Um, so I really I had a whole kind of personal renaissance over the pandemic when I just had clear mind, not jet lagged. And I said, well, I'm, the next step for me in life is to be a father. And so I started the process. For anyone who is looking to do it, um, especially gay men specifically, I can speak about that experience. Um, I would highly recommend getting a good IVF doctor. I use Dr. Donishman from the San Diego Fertility Clinic. He's amazing, helps lots of LGBTQ couples. It's not cheap. But getting a really good IVF doctor that specializes in LGBTQ community is amazing because then they can connect you to egg donors, to surrogates, et cetera. So in my case, I bought eggs uh, from an egg donor. Uh, that whole process I could get into, but you basically just get access to whole databases of amazing women who are willing to either sell frozen eggs or to do a whole, you can do a retrieval, which is what mm -hmm. I did. I paid someone who I'll never meet. My kids will have the option to. And I got a whole, you know, month's supply of her eggs. So you might get a lot, you might get none. You know, the whole process can be challenging, but I, I luckily got a lot of really high quality eggs. You then make embryos, you know, at the IVF clinic. And the beautiful thing about it is with genetic testing now too, you can actually test all of your embryos and good clinics will then kind of rank the quality health. So your the odds of success rise dramatically because mm. you can see under the microscope and they know all the markers for really good healthy embryo. The science is fascinating. Yeah. And when you do all of that, it improves your odds dramatically. So on my first transfer, so then once you have your embryo, you transfer that to your surrogate. Uh, I had an amazing surrogate. She's actually a, a lesbian. So her and her wife amazing. were like, we're such close friends. We immediately connected on the first transfer it took. So. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, yeah January of 2022. And then I had Dean October 8th of 22. And I actually had the most amazing doctor. I got to deliver him right before he was coming. I, I really wanted to do skin. Did you not faint? I would like. No. So the doctor said, are you weird around blood? I'm like, not really. He's like, do you want to deliver your child? And this doctor was kind of hot and cool. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course I do. And I had, I highly recommend too, even if you're a male, like get a doula before and just talk with the doula all about pregnancy, learn about uh, all the ins and outs. Cause in the room, I had no idea. I mean, I had, you know, barely even seen a vagina in my life. And then here I am, <laughs> you know, pulling out my son oh. 
you know, slowly, people are always like pulling out. I'm like, yeah, you kind of pull them out. Yeah. But I got to be in the room. I, it was just all of us in the room. The nurses were crying. We're huddled. Like I, you know, the doctor's coaching me. I see my son's head and like it. I get chills thinking it was the most life changing experience. My son immediately, I, rec- I recommend in most, you know, doing skin to skin contact. So before they weigh your child or even cut the cord, he's on my chest. So his first moments in life were connected with me and they really. With Papa. And it was just life-changing and Dean is so cute and uh we flew home on when he was three days old and he slept the whole flight from LA to Philly he's been a good baby on those we went to Belize he slept five hours each way I recommend traveling with an infant you know up until two years old you can have them in your lap I'll tell you what I have a Duna stroller and the Duna stroller snaps into a car seat in two seconds it's expensive but God, is it so convenient and Dean he's used to being it in the car so we're in the airport I tire him out I put him in his Duna stroller. It turns into a car seat and he just sleeps in it. He slept for five hours straight. People on the plane were like, is this a doll? Yeah, you know? this is a fake He's baby. He's amazing. So I pay for a seat for Dean. Um, I'll fly in economy just to have a seat with him versus holding him in business yeah. class. It's safer too. Totally. No judgment if you want to get the free ticket, you know, until they're two, you know, but it's just, it's taken so much stress off of me to know that he's safe in his car seat. and He's going to sleep. Yeah. He's quiet. And I, I do think traveling with kids young, I've talked to so many other travel bloggers who have kids and they're like, you know, it's a mentality and you start them young. And, you know, I think in America, we're so negative about kids and travel. Here's a newsflash. I've flown a lot. The people who are most annoying on flights are generally drunk adults, yeah. you know, so <laughs> lay off the kids. You know, I know it's an easy punching bag, but we were all children have a little compassion here people yeah the one of the last flights i was on um as we were boarding two grown adults got into a physical altercation which delayed boarding and takeoff for everyone because they decided to fight over overhead space yep if you look at the faa violations there's very few toddlers on the list of like people actually diverting flights so everyone have a little compassion and if you don't want a crying baby put on noise canceling headphones i love the Apple AirPods Max, Bose, both will drone out most babies. Perfect. And I love to end on a really happy note. Where in the world are you most excited to take Dean? So uh, I am in the process of becoming a Portuguese citizen. So Mm. during the pandemic, I invested. There's an amazing way uh, to become a citizen of Portugal via investing in hotels. So you don't even need to buy property. As low as 280,000 euros, you basically lend that to a hotel developer. Um, I work with a company called the Mercan Group, and I have a whole blog post detailing my journey. You loan 280,000 euros. It makes you eligible to become a permanent resident. And after five years, you become a citizen. And at the five-year mark, they actually give you your 280,000 back. Oh, so essentially, you are loaning money to a hotel developer to spur economic development in the country. You actually get a free week of hotel, et cetera. It's a no-brainer. And then you don't just get citizen. You get EU citizenship for life, which <gasps> comes with all sorts of health. Oh, yes. For you, your spouse, your parents, your children, and even your in-laws' parents can apply to be citizens as well. It's insane if you, you know, you know, so it's a little bit of effort. It costs about 20000 in legal fees to do yeah. it, but the company I worked with has been amazing. So we're going to be spending the month of March in Portugal. And one other, we, Dean is, he loves the water. So we, I'm excited to go to Canoan Island. It's in the mm. Caribbean. We're flying to St. Lucia, uh, staying at the Mandarin Oriental. It's like this really tiny off the beaten path Caribbean island. We're going there very soon. And he just loves the tropical environment. So Portugal and Canoan Island. There's it, On the island, there's only a Soho house and a Mandarin Oriental, and I hear amazing things. Oh, my gosh. I wish I was baby Dean. Also, $20,000 for, like, free health care for, for, like, for the rest of your and life Portugal, is, like, a great deal. And Portugal is the third safest country in the world. Like, they don't have the mass shootings every day like we have here. Right. And it's Oof. insanely affordable. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually feel bad because so many people from the U.S. are now doing it and kind of pricing out the Portuguese, and there's some drama there. But that's not for us to worry about. You know, from my perspective, I'm spurring economic development by loaning you know this amount of cash so for anyone who's interested um you know look into it and i have a whole blog post on my journey and and the group that i've used amazing you guys check it out and brian tell everyone where they can find you so you can follow my personal travels at brian kelly me and dean jet setting around the world um and of course thepointsguy.com and at thepointsguy.com on all social media. Amazing. And if you want to follow Brian Kelly's best friend, his at is Pasta Fazulo. He makes a lot of soup. We love him so much. Hello, John. <laughs> Pasta. We gotta get... <laughs> Pasta's the real star of the show. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Safe travels, everyone. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!